With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. And we are live. Welcome back, everybody, to Benched with Bubba, episode 24. And this is a bit of a sentimental one to me, as I have a good buddy rejoining me. It's a special one. I am joined tonight by the one and only Alex. I just learned this one. I told you I'm going to butcher it. Kolojay. Kolojay. Hard J. Kolojay. I was close. I I told you I butchered every time. Close enough, Brian. You can find them on on the Twitter at A-K-O-L-O-D-Z-I-E-J-F-R-S. A-Kolojay-F-R-S. See, there it was. I got it. You can find them on FanRagSports.com, one of their writers at FanRagSports. And recently, I believe the second episode just came out of the moonshots pod with the one and only jessica kleinschmidt ak how we doing my friend good man living the dream how about yourself thanks for having me oh i'm doing great and of course you're always welcome here it's uh it's great to have you my friend um this dream all started way back when this one little thing called talking chalk and it accumulated talking about you know beamer and beds and banging away and all kinds of greatness and here we are again it's very uh, heartfelt being back here reminiscent about the old times it was fun man i mean that was really the first time that i had experience with talking uh on air and and kind of getting a little broadcasting practice because now i do some podcasting stuff here and there and we did some stuff during the nfl season as well so that'll always be like the the precursor to my quote-unquote broadcasting career and getting started with all that so it, it definitely hits home man yeah, and you got the personality for it. I know there's big things in your future. And one thing I want to ask you before we get rocking and rolling, because uh, those for some reason those that don't know Alex, you will know him someday because the personality is there. His writing is great. He, um, it's not just like you know meet you know strict journalism stuff. It's funny. It's great. It's good good content and off the wall stuff sometimes. But you went to um, the national title game, and you got to sit down and do some interviewing. How was that? For a, You're just fresh out of college, first real big experience traveling. How was that? Yeah, that was really the, the aha moment. I mean, I had been to Arizona Diamondbacks games, and we had done Arizona Fall League where we got to see a lot of top prospects. And being up close to Yohan Moncada and Cody Bellinger, that stuff was great. But going to the national title game uh, was definitely surreal, and being able to 
to go to the media day and, and be up close and being 10 feet away from guys like Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney. And you see all the personalities there from ESPN. Sam Ponder was there. Tim Tebow was in our hotel. So that was it was definitely a, an uplifting experience for me. And really the first time that I had to kind of step back and realize how far I, I had come because – to be fair, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel for sports, and I wanted to be able to to have the opportunity to cover stuff like this. So being able to talk to players and stuff, it's it's definitely uh, a process in being comfortable and kind of going through the ropes of talking to players and, and getting comfortable with them and getting a good story. But I thought we did extremely well. My director of content and I, uh, Jamie Eisner, who is the DOC at FanRex Sports, we went and I think we knocked it out of the park and, and did some really good things. And it was a really, really humbling experience for me. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really cool thing you guys have going there because it's like you have – it, it sounds weird, I'm afraid. Just, you have the big names, like you have Rothstein and, and Heyman, and then you have a bunch of fun, younger guys like you and, and um, your other Alex and stuff. And it's just a good mix of different stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's really cool. I like it. I like it a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think when you talk about teams and you talk about organizations, I think one of the most underrated aspects of it all is – the culture that you have, and uh, it's it's really a big thing. It goes a lot farther than just talent alone. And I think we got some good characters, and uh, it really helps when you have people who act like your family members and are really there for you. So I think we got some good pieces, and heading forward will definitely be crucial with all the personalities and and all the contrasting characters we have. It's, it's definitely a good thing we have going. Well, that's good. I'm looking forward to watching it grow, and I'm looking forward to watching you grow. Because uh, thank you, I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling for you, big man. You got good right stuff. Back at you. Right back at you. And uh, we're going to start with this because now that I'm pulling for you, we're going to do a little NFL Combine talk. <laughs> it's happening right now in Indianapolis. Everybody knows about it. It's a meat market. You get to watch, you know, the specimens like you, you know, the running backs and the the, the skill athletes that actually look chiseled, like you know, like Alex. And then you get to look at the big linemen, the fat bastards like me, and they all have to wear the same stuff, you know, the, the Speedos and the, the short shorts, tight short shorts and, and shirts that, that guys like me shouldn't be wearing, but Alex wears. And we all wear the same stuff. And um, it just doesn't look right. So we're not going to go into my measurables and what I would do, but we're going to start with Alex and we're going to talk about the events because Alex, if you, if you have never seen the man, first you can tune into the uh, SD um, – YouTube channel and get a good look at this man in his Rose Bowl Washington State shirt. It's it's glorious, but um, he's uh, the ladies slide into his DMs, but um, he makes it work. So let's let's talk about the events these 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 guys have to go through. The forty yard dash. How would you do? I I think I could run a, a sub four six. I'm gonna say low four sixes. I'm gonna peg myself at a four six four. Four six three. Uh, I think the fastest time I had run when I was in high school as a senior was a four five six. Uh, I was never really a fast guy. I mean, I'd always been fast, but I, I could never really burn. Uh, I think I think I could do it. I think I could do it. I, you know, get in your stance. I mean, I'm explosive coming out of the jump. I might hang back a little bit during you know the thirty yard mark, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go four six two four six three ish. I think I I think I could do it. I like it. I like it. Optimistic. You, you worried me for a minute there. That was a very healthy journalistic pause there at the four. I thought you were going to get really ballsy and say sub four or something, but no, that was good. That was <laughs> good. I Just go ahead you, and break the record. Yeah, I thought you were going balls out right out the gate, but this is the one where I thought I think you're going to just go for the gusto because this is this is the one I got you pegged for. 
the bench press. People that don't know it, it's 225 pounds. How many reps can you do? What do you got? Our off-season, quote-unquote, combine my freshman year of college when I was playing football, I ended up doing 18 reps. That was back in my heyday, but I think I could still do 13 to 14. I might just, you know, tell them to take off another plate and just superset and, and, and drop set the last and then maybe go incline after just to kind of show them off. But uh, if it's your strength, if it's your strength, you got to show them what you can do. <laughs> yeah. You want to leave them with an impression. You want to leave them impressed. Absolutely. Make them know what's up. Um, okay. Now these are the ones that, you know, these are for the athletes. These are the ones that I don't impress with, but you know, maybe you will vertical jump. You got to show them those calves. Get up. What do you got? Uh, my vertical jump be through the roof. I'm going to, I don't know what a normal is. I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere around the, I'm going to go like the 36, 37. I think, I think vertical jump could be one of my biggest, if not the biggest. I think I led my, uh, my grade school basketball team in rebounds four years straight. And I think that's where the wide receiver uh, prototype kind of came from is because I used to have some hops when I was younger. Uh, maybe not anymore. I think I've only dunked a basketball like once or twice in my life on a regular standard hoop, but I think vertical jump could also be a strength. And then after that, after you get a, get through a bench press and the vertical leap, I think it kind of all goes downhill, but um, not too, not, not too bad things to have if you're going to go in with the combine with two strengths. No, no, you're, you're already halfway through the battle. Cause now you just got broad jump, three cone drill, and shuttle run, which we won't go to now because you already said they're not your strength. No, we'll they're not. I'm not. A, I'm not a quick, quick twitch fiber guy. So we'll <laughs> just not we'll stick with that. Yeah, you're just you're just going to pump some iron. You're not there to. Uh, yeah, I got you. You're 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 there to get to the spot, not move around. <laughs> right. So, so that's the events. Now we're talking measurables. This is where it gets real goofy because you know. Well, let's actually. There's there's. Well, we'll go after the measurables. So the measurables, the ones that make me laugh, they, they'll measure the guy's hands. And if you're a quarterback, if you have small hands, you know, girls think you have a small hand, they correlate things. Sorry, but whatever. But, uh, like, today, uh, Pat Mahomes of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, small hands, we got a problem, folks. Literally, Houston, we have a problem. Um, what, do you, what are you thinking? You small hands, big hands? Or do we want to talk about this on air? Do we want to talk about this? You have a chance to get out of this right now. No, I do. I have uh, decent-sized hands, long fingers, but at the same time, I'm a wide receiver. Um, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I have doable hands. They get, they get the job done. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to sit here and brag. <laughs> you know, I'm not that kind of guy. So um, decent-sized hands uh, get the job done. <laughs> they're so calloused up too, man. I'm not, I ain't even kidding you. They're disgusting. I have disgusting hands. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. I don't even know where to go now. All right. So yeah. Yeah. The measurables. Yeah. Height, weight, height, weight, the works. So after they measure you out, what position would you, you said you were a receiver tight end type in, co- in high school, college today. If you went through the combine right now, where would you slot? Well, I played I played wide receiver in college, and I think I get the uh, the laughs nowadays because people they chuckle when I tell them that I played wide receiver in college. Back then, I I was six one one ninety five, so I I guess I had the wide receiver frame. I recently got into I'm I'm a big uh, dieting and nutrition guy, exercise guy, and I ended up putting on you know ten to twelve pounds in the last two three years, you know, so I'm like six two two oh eight. Uh, so I could see how people can laugh 
when I say that I was a wide receiver back in college, but I think I could still do it. I think I could still be a slot guy that plays on the outside sometimes. You know, I got that Eric Decker comp, so uh, that's what that's what the scouts are saying. I'm more of like an Eric Decker type of guy that can play on the outside, you can play on the inside if he needs to be. He can go up and get the ball. He gets good separation. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm an Eric Decker, uh, Eric Decker comp, uh, Minnesota guy, mid you know played in the Midwest. So I can see why people correlate the two. You know. Are you an Eric Decker type off the field too, or is this just an on the field comparison? Yeah, you know damn well. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to check. Hey, they ask these kind of questions at the combine. <laughs> I know they do. <laughs> a lot of character questions. You know, it's not just this is not just you know they measure height and weight. They they get they take them through the rigors, and that's one thing I was going to say is we talk. Um, that's where I got to grab this. Where the heck did I put that? The best one of all, the Wonderlick test. The worst thing I have ever seen. Where the hell did I put that? I probably lost it. Um, yes, the Wonderlick test. I took a, t- a practice Wonderlick test earlier. Now I can't find the damn thing. Have you, <laughs> of course. Have you, have you looked at one of these things? I have not. I know they're okay. a vital and instrumental part of the combine process. And It's, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's um, 50 questions. You have 12 minutes to answer them. And let's just say I – Went to a UC in California, which there's eight of. I'm not even trying to brag, trust me, because I don't know how I got into it. I Someone must have messed up paperwork. Um, I had decent grades, but I don't know how I got into it. I graduated in five years, um, but I couldn't even finish the 50 questions. Is this too difficult? I finished 43 questions. It was because some were so long-worded. Some you had to... Um, I didn't have a calculator. Maybe you're allowed to have a calculator. There were some like, there's like seven or eight big math problems where you had to like get X, Y to Z, a bunch of different things. Uh, it was very interesting. Very, very interesting. I think I would do well in the wonder. Like I'm actually a very good test taker. I like taking tests and I'd be the, I'd be the kid in class. that was always the first to be done with my test. And everybody look and they'd be like, what the hell is this kid doing? And I'm just walking like, that was a good test. I think I know 84, 85. That's, that's fine. School's a conspiracy. Give me the B and I'm out. I'm out of class. <laughs> you, you, idiots are, I, you idiots are still sitting there taking it. I'll take my 85. It's a passing grade. That's that's how I was. I was always the first one. That I gave, I didn't care about it. I, I C's get degrees. I was cool with that. I, was, I, like, I like taking tests. I don't know what it was about it. If it was, some, if it was a subject that I enjoyed – then I had no problem taking it. Obviously, math and finance and accounting, that stuff was a different deal. I, I would go in there, guns hot, and I wouldn't know what the hell was going on. But sports marketing, the sports classes, the English classes, I would love taking tests. I, did, I didn't mind. It was, a, it was, I'll hand in my paper, I'll get my 82, and I'll slide out of there. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, if, if anybody wants to check it out, I'll put a link to the test in this uh, deal. It's something else. It's uh, Give it a look. Very interesting. Well, let's move on and talk some of the prospects at the main positions that are at the combine that are somewhat draft relevant and some that might not even be on your radar. But Mr. AK himself is one known for his mid-major prowess. Let's start with the quarterback position, uh, one that will likely get their career ruined by the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the, the main ones at the Combine. we got, like, Mitch Trubisky out of North Carolina. Got Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson, Brad Kaya. You know, the Trubisky, everyone's raving about this kid. I didn't even really hear about him until late last year, maybe. I didn't think he was that great. I didn't think the ACC was that great defensively outside of, like, say, a Clemson. 
um, out of Florida State. Maybe one other team overall is what I'm saying. Kaya didn't impress me as much as he should have for the hype he was in. Uh, I'll let you take it from there. What are you um, What are you getting out of the main quarterback, the top quarterback names? Well, Mitch Trubisky, uh, when he was a junior, we had heard about how he was next in the pecking order and that he was going to be very good, and people had already known about him, uh, whether it be slightly or not. But the thing that is kind of a – and I'm going to use the word or the phrase red flag – is that he only started one year, and I'm not I'm not worried about him and the fact that he only started one year and that we only have one year of film to look at. What I'm worried about is that he couldn't beat out Marquise Williams uh, from North Carolina his junior year. Marquise Williams wasn't that good of a quarterback. He was a turnover machine. So it begs the question of how Trubisky didn't get the starting nod over over Marquise uh, in that in that junior season. But he does have the ideal size. Uh, of a franchise quarterback. He's got a great arm. He makes uh, his reads through his uh, route progressions very well. Uh, But at the same time, he's not a guy that you look right away and say, this guy's the number one pick, which is why I was kind of concerned that he was the number one guy right after the season ended. Obviously things shuffled. Things are going to shuffle with uh, the senior bowl. They're going to have the combine. So obviously things are shaking up and he's going to drop back as he already did. But at the same time, I'm not exactly sure why he made that big of a leap. Uh, a great year, but it wasn't anything where, uh, you know, he 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 was on the map like like a Carson Wentz or a guy like that. He he just kind of he was just there. Um, also, Deshaun Watson, I think, is going to be good wherever he goes. The only thing that kind of worries me is the adjustment to where he fits in an NFL system, because you look at how he had it made at Clemson um, throughout those years, making it to two national titles. He was he was pretty set as a Tiger. But if he's being linked to some of these teams like the New York Jets or the 49ers, some of these teams that are struggling and need a, a quarterback to help rebuild, how is he going to adjust to, I guess I'm going to use the word adversity, although I hate it, um, for, a, for a team that's probably going to select him that needs him right away. Um, when we talk about Deshaun Kaiser and Brad Kaya, two guys with question marks in my opinion. I think scouts overvalue them because of their size, but they didn't necessarily light it up. Uh, Miami. Uh, in my opinion, always underwhelms on offense. They have so many skilled players and athletes, yet they don't know what to do with them. Um, and Deshaun Kaiser, obviously, at Notre Dame in the season that they had, that it had last season could have also affected. But uh, the guy that I love and that I've been riding for about four months now is Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech, a guy that you mentioned uh, just a few brief moments ago. But I think the initial hype didn't come for him because he played in the air raid system. and. It's a system that's predicated on intermediate routes. You have a plethora of options, and it's going to skew a quarterback's numbers. And I think that hurt, that quote-unquote hurt him because people thought, oh, it's the air raid system. He's not as good. Um, But one thing that people forget is that Mahomes didn't have a great receiving corps at Texas Tech. I look at Davis Webb from Cal. He had Chad Chad Hansen and Demetrius Robertson. I also look at Washington State's Luke Falk. He had Gabe Marks and River Craycraft. People forget that Patrick Mahomes wasn't working with a stellar receiving corps. He just had a ton of depth, but he's got the arm, he's got the size, and he's extremely smart. And if I'm the Houston Texans, I'm taking him with pick number 25. I think you bite the bull with Osweiler, you eat that contract. You pick a guy out of nearby White House, Texas, uh, you get a guy, a prospect that's in-state, and, and, and you just go with that. Now that is some deep knowledge right there. I did not see that one coming. Um, yeah, no, he, he lit it up. And um, many, many did think 
it was because it's don't play defense. It's video game, uh, Big Twelve time. But um, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the names of the Pac-12, Davis Webb and Luke Falk, because um, Mahomes is really really good. I have nothing, no disagreements with you there at all. Zero disagreements. But um, how far back would you characterize Webb and Falk to home Mahomes? Um, Davis Webb. The, the one thing I really like about Davis Webb is his ability to throw the vertical ball. And when he went to Cal, it was a perfect fit for him. It was the same same type of area that he that he played with when he was at Texas Tech. It was Mahomes who seemingly nudged him out of that starting spot. He was originally supposed to go to Colorado. I think I think he made the correct decision to go to Cal. He got to the senior bowl. But I, I think he's great. He Some scouts were saying that he has one of the best deep balls um, out of the quarterback pool, which is great because when you're running the air raid offense and you're running these slip screens and you're running these five yard outs and despite throwing 60 uh, pass attempts a game, you're running these intermediate routes. And I think that was uh, one strength for him to show was that he can throw the ball deep and he may not be predicated on the air raid when he gets to the NFL. So um, if Luke Falk would have came out, he would have been another guy I was high on. Um, He's not a dual threat quarterback that ran like a that ran a wide open system like Trevon Boykin. We knew we knew the baggage that kind of came with him because he wasn't a pocket passer. But Luke Falk also has the size. Um, but Davis Webb as well. You know, six five, uh, Cliff Kingsbury when uh, Davis Webb transferred initially said this guy's going to be he's going to be a top he could be a top five pick. That's that's how much faith I have in him in order to uh, to get to where he's at to mature and develop. So uh, I would I wouldn't peg Webb too far down from Mahomes, but I do think Mahomes is one of those is one of those guys that could really surge up and um that I don't think he's getting enough love right now. No, I agree because you don't hear his name mentioned much at all. You mainly just hear like the Trubisky's, uh Kaiser, like the, the main ones I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um you said it you said it really well when you talked about those main names earlier. Um the it's not downplaying their abilities. It's just this year, there isn't really a standout quarterback class. Um, it seems like every year, though, there's teams that feel the need to take one in the first round, and it's always going to be that way. But do you – it's probably not going to happen. But do you foresee a chance that some of these teams finally maybe get intelligent and say, no, we're going to go get needs and just say, screw it? And we'll take guys later, like a web or something. Well, that's what I think for the first few picks. You're looking at two teams like San Francisco and Cleveland. Obviously, those are interchangeable, obviously. But those two teams are so far behind in terms of talent that they need to draft the, draft the best player available. So for, if I'm Cleveland, I'm drafting Miles Garrett. And if mm-hmm. I'm San Francisco, maybe I take a guy like Marshawn Lattimore or a guy like Ruben Foss. I don't think you necessarily need to gamble because there's so much depth in this quarterback class. Um, when you talk about guys like Nathan Peterman, um, there are a number of guys that can be taken as third or fourth round guys that you don't have to gamble on right away because you need a quarterback. You got to start filling needs that you have and teams like the Browns, teams like the Jets and the 49ers, they have so many areas and voids to fill that you don't need to gamble on a quarterback in the first round just because. Well, and with, and with their teams being that bad and these guys not being that ready, you're just setting them up for failure. They're more than and a quarterback away. Put it that yeah, way. exactly. <laughs> So, with all of that being said, and me already saying none of this should happen, just you know, bullet to, or gun to your head, how many go in the first round? Uh, I'm gonna say three. I'm gonna yeah. say 
Trubisky goes, I'm going to say Watson goes, and I'm going to say Mahomes goes. Uh, Mahomes will be the third taken. I, I do think some of these teams are going to bite, though. Some of these teams are desperate. Maybe once one goes, the dominoes start to fall. But personally, I think there are more players at other positions that should be taken ahead of some of these quarterbacks just because of the impact that they may have uh, outside of it. And just because you draft a quote-unquote franchise quarterback doesn't mean that it's going to work out right away. And there are guys that probably are more NFL-ready than some of the quarterbacks. No, I totally agree. Let's move on to the running back position. And this year we saw a massive impact at the running back position by one Ezekiel Elliott. I believe he was the fourth pick overall. And this year we have a couple bruisers coming out. I don't know if they'll have quite that impact, but there is some potential coming out. We have the likes of Leonard Fournette, who weighed in at a busty 241 pounds yesterday. Um, Dalvin Cook, who is beastly himself. You have McCaffrey, who is just meant to be a New England Patriot, in my opinion. Uh, Foreman, who was a stud at Texas, Mixon, uh, and the list goes on and on. The running back class is deep. Um, give us your uh, opinion on, on the running back class coming in. Well, I think for Leonard Fournette, it's all about balancing his size and his speed. Obviously, he's the whole package, and he has everything barring health, what a team wants in a running back. So at 241 pounds, if he drops down to 233, 234, I think he's in good shape. Um, He has the ability to hit holes uh, and, and to run through the middle of tackles while also having the agility and the shiftiness to bounce outside. And I think we saw that a lot at LSU. Uh, he's a whole package, but like I said, barring health, um, if his ankle holds up, I think that's his, his biggest problem, not necessarily weight. Um, in terms of the Delvin Cook-Leonard Fournette debate, I'm not necessarily one that wants to pick one or the other. I don't think there's a clear-cut running back that's better. It might just depend on on scheme and fit, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, for Christian McCaffrey, we've seen his name pop up as early as number eight to the Panthers. Personally, I think he gets taken by the Broncos at number 22. You're talking about a team that really needs a spark out of the backfield in an offense that was um, (laughs) surprisingly bad last season. I don't think people understood how bad that offense was uh, with the quarterback carousel and what happened with that and had a couple down years for Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. They didn't put up the numbers like you expected them to. So I think they could use some offensive help. And obviously when you talk about Ed McCaffrey and his tenure at Denver, uh, that also can play a factor and Denver is slated to interview McCaffrey here uh, yesterday or today. So uh, that could be a potential fit for him. Deontay Foreman's another guy that I really liked out of Texas um, and stats aside, he strung together. I want to say 13 consecutive games with a hundred or more yards, which uh, broke the record at Texas. Um, a big back. He's quick. Um, and what he also did, which was great, shed 16 pounds up to the combine. So he's a guy um, also very underrated in pass blocking as well. So if he he's a guy that could probably use a really good combine, uh, if he runs really well, I think he could see his name surge up to the top a little bit more. Um, sleepers, I really like Jamal Williams out of BYU. I think he flew under the radar most of the season. Uh, a guy that really didn't get too much television time, and obviously when you're under the shadow of Cook and Fournette, you're not going to get too much recognition or garner too much attention. And then my long shot is uh, Jarvion Williams from UTSA, a guy that in his senior season, you had Frank Wilson, who was the running backs coach at LSU, come over uh, for his final season. So a guy that can bounce outside the tackles probably won't make it, but if I had to tag a long shot, it's Jarvion Williams from UTSA. 
I like it because uh, this is one of those positions, obviously, receiver as well. But running back, there's always seems like one or two out of nowhere guys like a UTSA type guy that has a big impact along the way. It's out of nowhere, sixth round, seventh round, undrafted free agent, just out of nowhere. And um, that's one to think about. Um, I love the Foreman breakdown you just had there, Deontay Foreman out of Texas. Um, I mentioned him on a bench with Bubba with, uh, with Doc way back when. It was during the playoffs. Um, I said he should have been invited to the Heisman. I know he wouldn't because he was on Texas, and Texas was garbage, and that's just not how it works. But like you said, 13 straight 100-yard games. The guy ran, I believe, for over 2,000 yards or something, or close to – he had some crazy amount of – or total yards or something. Um, over 2,000. I mean, it was just on a, on a game-to-game basis. I mean – some some running cool. backs come into the draft if they're under the radar because of their size or because of the development they've had from year to year basis. But Foreman had the stats, and he's also got a few things in his pocket that also help him. Well, like I said, he's a great pass blocker, and he could be used in that as well. So, I mean, more power he, to him. He was a great player watching him out there. He stood out on that team. Um, one question I have for you is the Oklahoma duo of Mixon and Perrine. Uh, we know there's a little bit of um, legal background there uh, with one of them. And uh, is that going to be an impact for one? And then um, where do you see them likely heading? Samaji Piran's a great back. He's a guy that I like watching a lot of when I watch film. I don't do it often. I'm not, I'm not going to by any means call myself a scout, but he's a guy that I love to watch. And he was a guy that I like to watch on a, on a weekend basis. Oklahoma was such a fun team to watch. Um, and in terms of Mixon, uh, there are a lot of teams that are out on him, which, you know, you can't necessarily blame them for it. Uh, you can't you can't carry that baggage and you don't want that that public perception. But at the same time, there's one team that when you combine the fit and their stance on him is the Detroit Lions. And Bob Quinn, general manager, recently just said that they're not closing the door on Mixon. The, Bob Quinn thought that Mixon should have been invited to the combine. He said he didn't think it was fair. Uh, he wanted him to have another shot. So you talk about a run, <laughs> the running back position in Detroit hasn't been good and it hasn't been consistent. When you talk about the injuries, um, he had Zenner running the ball, you know, 20 times a game for him late last season. So um, if they could put that behind him, I think Mixon could be a good fit for the Detroit Lions. Two more running back questions for you. Um, sure. James, James Conner, uh, great story. Most people should know it, if not all people that follow football. Um, came back, looked great, finished with the, the bowl game. He's playing now. He's going to go to the draft. What's his future look like uh, NFL draft-wise? He uh, probably projects as a backup running back. It, it might take a little bit longer for him just because of his athleticism. Um, he'd have to find a good fit or a team that likes to run in between the tackles because he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's strong. He lacks a little bit of athleticism, but um, and I, I don't want to be cliche, but if you could have that guy in your locker room, a guy that's been through that, it doesn't necessarily hurt. So I, I could see him being a, a late round pick. Okay, and the last one, the homer pick for myself, since uh, Gordon finally ran well for San Diego, there's hope for Wisconsin running backs. Um, is Corey Clement worth a look, and does he actually have a chance in the NFL? Uh, that's a good question. I have not done a ton of research on Clement, so I can't say that. But Wisconsin Wisconsin backs are should have their own test studies because of how of how 
much it's they've fallen between the top and the bottom. When you talk about guys like Monty Ball, you look at Melvin Gordon, it took him a year to get going until he finally emerged. So the discrepancy between <laughs> between Wisconsin backs, there's a large, large spectrum and a ton of discrepancy between them. So I can't necessarily tag Clement anywhere in the draft. He, he could be anywhere from a diamond in the rough to a complete bust. Yeah, it's embarrassing, the talent level, how it disappears. But I was just curious. Moving on to the wide receiver position, um, the top one, Mr. Mike Williams out of Clemson. You got to see him firsthand just have a magnificent game against Alabama in the national title game to cap off an amazing season. He is pretty much one of the top options at wide receiver coming out in the draft. Uh, Corey Davis out of Western Michigan had a hell of a career. Um, and then you have good old Juju Smith-Schuster out of USC, and I know you like a little Juju Smith. That's my guy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know you like him. There's a lot of really talented um, guys. D.D. Westbrook out of Oklahoma who uh, went to the uh, Heisman ceremonies. It's deep, really deep. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Why don't you give us a little info on the wide receiver position? I may not be as high on Mike Williams as others are, but after watching some of him recently, it's hard not to like him. I think – at times he may lack explosiveness, but you have to you have to realize that it's not necessarily his role. I mean, he's a jump ball kind of guy. He gets separation. There there aren't many things that he doesn't do extremely well. And I think if he runs well uh, at the combine, he could be he's a middle of the round guy probably right now. He's probably in that ten to sixteen range. But if he runs well and has a good uh, a good day, he'll he'll probably fall in that uh, six to ten range. He could, and I think he could go to Tennessee considering you look at what the Titans wanted to do uh, a year and a half ago uh, with Marcus Mariota is get him a big receiver, and they tried to do that and failed uh, with Doriel Green-Beckham. But Mike Williams is a freak of nature. Like I said, he's a, he's, he's a complete package. Corey Davis, I love Corey Davis. I love what he brings. And another guy that does everything exceptionally well. He's a great route runner. And not to mention he pummeled his competition in the MAC, which is something that he should have done. And – if any scouts or executives are worried about, you know, playing out of the MAC, look at Antonio Brown playing at Central Michigan. You also had Willie Sneed at Ball State, who's now a staple in the Saints offense. Um, so those two guys, obviously, I think should go one and two. Uh, like you said, it's a deep class. I mean, when, it, when you have a guy like KD Cannon ranked as like the number 24 wide receiver, that's how you know it's deep. Um, a few under-the-radar guys I like. One is Carlos Henderson out of Louisiana Tech, a guy that I've got to watch a lot. Uh, not big. I think he's 5'8". Five, five, the program lists him at 5'9". He's probably 5'8", but uh, a great vertical route runner. He's a guy that could probably get on top of coverages. And another one I like is Zach Pascal from uh, from Old Dominion, uh, a player that didn't have uh, a quarterback thrown to him throughout his tenure. Old Dominion's quarterback position was in flux, uh, but 6'2", 215. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about him so far as well. Yeah, no, um, I remember – you talked about him, I think, when you were still in college. Didn't you write something about yeah. him? I remember uh, that. I, yeah. Carlos Henderson and Trent Taylor at Louisiana Tech, uh, the most underrated tandem, in my opinion, in the FBS, what they did with uh, with Louisiana Tech's offense and losing Kenneth Davis and, and losing Jeff Driscoll. Uh, those two guys put on a show last season uh, for a team that – probably wasn't projected to be as good as they were uh, a season ago. But whenever you're going to have two guys like that put up those numbers, um, it says a lot. What do you think of um, Cooper Cup out of Eastern Washington? 
Cooper Cup is a, an interesting prospect. I was reading up. Somebody said that if he runs a good forty, then he's a day one guy. Which to me, which to me doesn't make sense. I don't know how if you run a good forty, time you're not a day one prospect. Prospect. Um, um, but those guys, those that, guys, that, the FCS guys making the leap to the NFL, always intriguing. Um, I like to see Cooper Cup make it only because. But here, here's the thing, and here's. Here's the uh, the parody with NFL draft is that you you may have a guy like Cooper Cup who breaks all these records. He might not see a down, but you got a guy like Chad Williams out of Grambling who nobody's ever heard of, and some people are projecting him as uh, as one of the top five or six wide receivers. Which to me, it's just <laughs> there are a lot of shortcuts and and a lot of just weird things that go on with the draft. Um, but I'd like to see Cooper Cup make it. I think he's a I think he's a tremendous athlete. Watching him at the Senior Bowl for. Uh, one of the first times was was fun, and I think he can. Uh, I think he could. He could be a depth wide receiver coming out right away. Yeah, no, and like like we said, it's a crazy, crazy deep position, and I'm very curious to see how it all plays out here in a few few weeks. The draft, what first weekend in April? Yeah, about a month like away. That? Yeah, so that's a beautiful thing. Let's move on to the tight end position. Uh, we'll just kind of skim through these last ones here. Uh, OJ Howard. For most people, leads the way. He's a big, big, talented tight end for Alabama. Um, most people know the good old Jake Butt out of Michigan for the butt jokes, and he's talented. Um, but it's a position that most don't know about. Uh, give us a little bit of knowledge on the tight end position. Yeah, I think your your top two guys you're looking at are probably O.J. Howard from Alabama and Evan Ingram from Ole Miss because they fit the NFL prototype of what those guys are looking for in that 6'3", 6'4", 240-pound range, guys that can catch the ball and run after the catch. But if we're talking about that frame, I'm, I'm going to go with Gerald Everett out of South Alabama, a guy that didn't get too much television time, but he's right in that prototype. He's 6'3", 235, 240. He can run, uh, and he was great last season for South Alabama, really got put on the map. And like I said, he's he, he'll probably be a good fit for for what teams are looking for nowadays. Reminds me a lot of an Eric Ebron. Hopefully, he can have a better career than him. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, Ebron's career. What a disappointment! That guy came out of North Carolina looking like he was going to be the next big thing. Super talented, big, almost could play wide receiver, but played tight end and just maybe it's the Detroit Lions thing. It maybe is. <laughs> have we ever thought about that? It could be just the black hole of talented Brandon Pettis offensive crew, Roy Williams, Charles Rogers, Mike Williams. I can go on and on. Yeah, it, Calvin Johnson is the only one to, to beat the system besides Barry Sanders. Pretty much, seemingly. I mean, you talk about the Detroit Lions' first uh, first round draft picks in succession. Um, maybe not in succession, but you're talking about uh, Mike Williams, Roy Williams, and Charles Rogers. I think uh, only one of Roy Williams was the only guy who really did something. That was only for a year and a half, but the other two didn't pan out, and it's just crazy how you strike out like that. Yeah, that's like unbelievably bad. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the big uglies. Most people, like myself, don't know mo- too much about them. Is yeah. there any <clears throat> worth really getting in on on this? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there is. I'm not going to discredit yeah. the offensive lineman. It's not a sexy position, obviously. Um, yeah. I'm not an offensive lineman guy. I don't enjoy watching tape on offensive linemen, but I guess one sleeper to look out for is Taylor Moton from Western Michigan. Um, he's a guy that's been flying under the radar, a guy that played at a Mac school, so he's not going to get too much love. But uh, big size, 6'5", 320, um, and he, he'll, he'll probably be like my sleeper guy. But aside from that, I, I expect everything to kind of go accordingly with the, with the linemen in terms of how they're being picked in succession. 
Okay. Move on to the defense. Uh, you got guys like Jabril Peppers. Um, you know, you always have the strong SEC, you know, secondary players and linebackers that are always big names that are coming off the board. Ohio State's got a, good, a couple good uh, corners coming out. Um, what are the big defensive players to keep an eye on? Uh, my number one guy is Taco Charlton from Michigan. Um, the edge rusher positions become a staple for scouts and people who are looking at prospects because of just how vital that position's become. Uh, in today's NFL, if you could have a guy that can disrupt a pass rusher like that, it adds a whole new element to your defense. And Charlton, when you're talking about size and athleticism, 6'6", 270, he reminds me a lot of a Leonard Floyd with size. He's a guy that's really skyrocketed and a guy that the media has really fallen in love with. But I've watched him a lot at Michigan. He's a freak of nature. And he maybe just didn't get enough credit on the defense because if you look at the pieces that they had last season with Jabril Peppers and Jordan Lewis and Chris Wormley, Channing Stribling, I mean, the list goes on and on. So maybe didn't garner as much attention as he should have. But when you talk about a 6'6", 270 guy that can run, it's pretty scary. And I think he's a guy that can be a top 12 or top 13 pick when it's all said and done. Uh, another guy is Arizona linebacker Paul McGlure, a guy that didn't get uh, invited to the draft combine, and I thought he should have. Uh, came to Arizona by way of Juco, uh, had a really, really good season, and was getting a lot of attention for what he was doing at practice at the Senior Bowl. So he's another guy to keep an eye out for. Okay. Um, so you got what, – what, what's the outlook? Um, I know there was a lot of trash talking, especially in the Twitterverse, shocker, trash talking on Twitter. Um, but – a guy like Jabril Peppers, everyone said, no, he doesn't deserve to be on the Heisman. No, he's overrated, this, that, and the other. What is the realistic NFL outlook for a guy like Jabril? Jabril's going to play safety in the NFL. Some people say that he could be like a Tyron Matthew. He, he, he's a guy that can kind of play all over, which is a great luxury to have if you're, uh, if you're an NFL team because you can plug him into seemingly anywhere uh, if you want to put him at a nickelback or a rover position. But the thing with Jabril is he's a small guy. Um, he's, not, he's not big. But at the same time, look at all the people that discredited Tyron Matthew when he came out. Personally, I'm not uh, – I love Michigan. I really do. I love rooting for the Wolverines. I have to. But at the same time, I'm not as big on Jabril Peppers as some people might be. I don't think he's a first-round pick. He's starting to slide back a little bit. And the one thing that really everybody's pointing at is that he had one interception over his career at Michigan, which I don't think tells a full tale um, because you're not going to throw to the guy. And he's playing, you know, he's playing a linebacker. He moved over to, to the linebacker position under Don Brown's defense when he came over for his first season. So um, I think he could be impactful in the return game for sure. But I'm not looking at Jabril Peppers as a day one starter at safety and saying this guy's going to rack up 70 tackles and five interceptions in his rookie season. Um, so I think Jabril could be uh, a late second round uh, pick. But, you know, it's it's easy to get lost in the hype because of how versatile he is and how impactful he is despite the stats maybe not showing it. He had one, one return for a touchdown last season versus Colorado for a breakthrough. But when he has the ball in his hands um, or is on defense, he makes big plays. I mean, he, he's a big play kind of guy. Uh, in terms of being every day and NFL ready, I'm not exactly sure about that. Um, I'm looking for his name. We'll start with the first one, uh, an interesting one, TJ Watt. I'm not as big on him as a lot of people are. Explain to me why everyone is so – is it just because of his brother's stupid name? Well, he's got a good yeah. – <laughs> that, I know that's he, let, let me preface it first. I know he's a good player. I watched him almost every week. Don't get me wrong, 
but he's not as big as most people that play that position. And he's still very raw at that position. And maybe that's something that they like. Maybe they like that about him. And they can move him in a 3-4 instead of playing in the corner. I don't know. Now talk. That's exactly what I'm what I'm saying. He could be more of a scheme fit. I mean, he guy's 6'5", 235. Um, so if, you're, if you want to play him off the edge, then sure. But at the same time, maybe he's just getting way too much hype. Uh, leading up to it. I'm, I'm sure there are, there are other guys and other defensive players in that front seven that probably should be taken before TJ Watt. But when you have the name, obviously you come from a, a defensive school like Wisconsin, you're going to get that. And I think he's more so a test subject than anything right now. And people are trying to wonder if the hype is real or not uh, more so than, than calling the hype real. Yeah. Um, I don't think you mentioned his name yet. Miles Garrett out, out of uh, Texas A&M. Um, where is a good – well, obviously, anywhere is good. You, were you saying – was that the guy you said you think should go number one to the Browns? Uh, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some people say that they they see bust written all over him. Maybe it's just to kind of get under the public skin because he's the consensus number one guy. Um, but when healthy, um, wreaks havoc. I mean, I think in this draft, he's the he's the number one guy. Okay. Well, one more thing when we're talking players here, do you have any other, you've already mentioned quite a few, actually. Do you have any other small conference mid-major guys you're, you're looking at, or did you already kind of um, give them No, all? I still have a few. Yeah. I like safety, uh, Obi uh, Melifanu from UConn. Six, uh, four could play a few different positions. And I think if you get that size in the defensive backfield, it's huge. And he kind of got put on the map at the senior bowl. Uh, but 6'4 for a safety is just unheard of. And if you have that kind of that kind of speed coming downhill, I think that could be could be vital for a team heading forward. Another one is Jeremy Couture from Middle Tennessee State. He's a cornerback, 6'2, decent size. He's lengthy. He had a very good game against Alabama when Middle Tennessee State played the Crimson Tide and an interception. So I'm not worried about him playing uh you know, at that talent level. And also you look at a guy last season from middle Tennessee state from the same school and Kevin Byard, who made an impact with the Tennessee Titans last season should probably take on a bigger role. So uh, I think um, Jeremy Couture is the next guy uh, in line in the middle Tennessee state pecking order to kind of come up. And I think he could be a surprise pick in the middle rounds. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I found a look at researching for tonight's pod. I was looking, there's 300, players at the combine so if people want to look it up there's 300 players i believe there's seven rounds and 30 teams so do the math not even all those players get drafted but most of them will get signed at least come to camp so check it out folks uh we went over a handful of them ak can help you out with more um there'll be other pods but what i want to get into now we're gonna have a little fun is some draft day cliches because if you want to have a lot of fun, you can find drinking games for them. You can find all kinds of fun. But, Alex, give me some of your fun, fun draft day cliches that you either like or can't stand. Well, disclaimer, I actually started to feel bad for these guys because I know how hard it is to do this on a year-to-year basis or a month-to-month basis. This isn't trying to come up with new material, but it does get very dry. It gets very cliche, and a few of my favorites are one – 
I hate this. I, I've had this. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up because I've had this stored in the back of the cupboard in my mind for years. My favorite one of all time is get him the ball in space and let him make a play as if anyone that's ever run a sub 4-4 has just been tagged in that cliche. Like you just want to get him the ball so he can make a play. Like we get it. <laughs> we get it. He's a skill player who's fast. Like, you know, you know, some guys, maybe maybe they're good at running vertical routes. Have you ever thought about that? Like, <laughs> so that one really kind of grinds my gears. Another one, uh, we talked about the hands, the size of your hands, how that could affect your draft stock. That really grinds my gears. Uh, number three is player X played his college ball in California. He's not going to be a fit for team Y out Northeast because he's going to be playing in the cold for 11 weeks. That's another one for me. And my final one and my favorite, maybe my favorite, is player X has put on 20 pounds of lean muscle over the last three months. Like, dude, what like what diet are you on? Can I can I please get that? I've gained like eight pounds the last four years. You're gonna tell me this guy put on 15 to 20 of muscle only in the last three months? Like how much testosterone are you injecting into your biceps, you dummies? Nice. Yeah, I know there, there there's some really good ones. I forget how great these are. Um, some that I found that I just absolutely love, um, physical specimen, because <laughs> you think physical specimen, that's just amazing. Um, that's always just outstanding. Um, plays to the whistle. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Oh, he plays to the whistle. <laughs> like, great. He's doing his job. He's doing what he's supposed yeah. to do. I hope he plays to the whistle. Otherwise, I don't want him on my goddamn team. <laughs> oh, shit. Guy just stops out of nowhere. What does okay. his controller die? Here, here, here's one for all of them. He's a football player. He's a true. He's a true football player. Yep. How about uh, how about he's a That's great guy. The- he's a great guy to have in the locker room. Like, hey, let's sign him to a two year extension because he makes everybody laugh. <laughs> yep. A high motor guy. That's oh. always a good one. Oh, he's, he's got a bunch of energy. Good. Good. His endurance is is better than everybody else's. Yeah. High motor. Um, Let's see what else. Trying to think of what uh, you know, you got the you got the uber cliche ones like, oh, he's gritty. He's just a guy you want on your team. Oh, he's a coach's player. He's 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 My coachable, real co- yeah, a real coachable guy. But that is, I mean, it kind of is a monumental part of the combine. Is you don't want to be in love with a prospect who. I mean, for lack of a better word, might be a dick. There might be a guy that yeah. isn't a dick <laughs> that, you know, is liked by his teammates. Maybe he was a captain. Maybe he has leadership skills that you – I don't think it's a make or break by any means, but if in, if you're dissecting maybe two or three prospects and one guy is just – you just don't have a good connection with, I get that. But, you know, the, the ones – and I hate saying it because me being a journalist, but there are some people with the headlines, you know, you see them all the time, oh, player X was – they team X was blown away by this player's interview. Like was this, what do you like bake cookies for the, for the, uh, for the staff or whatever? I mean, come on. You can only put so much stock into it. Yeah. yeah what do you do? Bring everybody roses. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> he's a good guy to have a locker room. Oh, is he bring orange slices and Capri Suns for everybody to snack on during <laughs> halftime? Give me a break. <laughs> Capri Suns the are best, so good. <laughs> the best soccer mom we ever That's had. What I'm saying, man. That's what they tag these guys at. Grinds my gears. Oh man, he had all the measurables. Um, one more. There's one thing I didn't put on the outline. I was thinking about as we were talking about these um, prospects for the draft, and uh, I was kind of talking to you about it about three weeks ago. 
We were almost recorded, and I wanted to just spitball something with you. Sure. National, National Signing Day took place a few weeks back. Um, any big highlights that kind of caught your attention that you can think of? If not, I was going to say, yeah, I was like, damn. I had some if good not, ones. we can pass. I, I know I just kind of spurred that one on you. If not, no worries. Um, yeah, I got, I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Maybe we could, maybe we could do good. another pot for that uh, in the next yeah, month or two. Yeah, it's all good. We can do something. Yeah, my mind's a little fuzzy still from National Signing Day. I got, I'm all in draft, uh, NFL yeah. draft mode now. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, then one last thing I want to say. How's a, it's, you know, first full year in Arizona. I've been to spring training many times. I love Scottsdale. How are you enjoying spring training? Spring training is good. I, I just think the overall aura of having the good weather here coupled with baseball starting kind of has everybody in a good mood. We were out for Arizona Fall League when it was still nice out, and that was fun. I'm not as big a baseball guy as many. I'm a, I, I focus more on college football and whatnot. But having that stuff kind of just popping up, is a good precursor to the to the season and kind of just getting back in the swing of things of baseball is is nice and then whenever you have that new sport starting you you, you get that <laughs> you get that excitement of it starting back up and I'm pretty sure our boy John Hammond's down here so planning on seeing him in the office the next few days which is going to be nice because I haven't seen him in a while but um, I think just overall uh, having it here has just kind of kind of been good for everybody's morale and excitement definitely uh, definitely an uptick in all those cool cool um any big plans for the upcoming college football season for the uh the ak uh workload or are we not allowed to talk about that yet um we'll see i plan on doing a lot more player interviews that's something that i really like doing i like covering people's stories and uh just building relationships i really do so hopefully get into more of that more recruiting stuff um it may not be something where i'm going to be throwing out predictions or getting stuff like that. But uh, I think when whenever you can make a bomb with guys, I mean, there are guys now that made an impact their freshman season that you look at and say, oh, I remember covering that guy uh, during his recruiting process. And you see stuff like that. And I still keep in touch with a lot of the guys. And uh, one guy like like Taewon Taylor from Western Kentucky, I, I covered him a few times his, uh, his sophomore season and his junior season. And then we also did a feature for him coming into a senior season and, you know, you keep in touch with guys like that and Davis Webb, I've done a few pieces with him as well. And just to kind of keep in touch with those guys, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, surreal to have those bonds with those guys. Cool. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you joining me. We will definitely uh, do some more talking as the uh, season approaches and uh, keep in touch and congratulations on all the good stuff you got going over there at Fanrag Sports. Brings a tear to my eyes watching you grow, little man. Oh, uh, big man, I should say. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> uh, no, it's awesome. I appreciate you having me. Um, any last parting words? No, um, not at all. I, I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, it was a good talk. I think it's good, a good little uh, precursor to the NFL draft, and hopefully drop some knowledge for you guys. But, yeah, thanks a lot, Bubba. I appreciate it, man. You're doing some really good things. Love the podcast. Uh, the one with uh, Stokey was a good one and stuff, and I plan on keeping tabs on on your work because you guys are doing some tremendous things. Yeah, tell Stokey he's almost up for another one, in, unless unless he wants to pass it on to somebody else, but I need some more <laughs> baseball talk. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's busy. I'm just joking. Um, you guys can reach Alex at Ecology. Kolo J. 
Hello, Jay. Hello, Jay. Sorry. A-K-O-L-O-D-Z-I-E-J-F-R-S. Fanrag Sports. That's me. You can check them out on the Moonshots podcast with Jessica Kleinschmidt. You will enjoy it. You will enjoy (laughs) it. Check it out. And everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of Benched with Bubba. This was episode 24. We'll catch you guys later. See ya.